Hello. Hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> it's Ergo. It is, <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> somehow, somehow it's Ergo. Yeah. Somehow I'm Kiss. I am still Damon. And what we do is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and creative. I don't even know. You know, let's start with our guests the way we always do. <laughs> okay. I, so I don't know myself either, right? Like, am I uh, am I responsible for asking questions right now? Am I am I a question answerer? We have uh, maybe the most mentioned person to never be on the show before <laughs> on the line with us right now. One of the people who I care about and love most in this world and i'm so happy to be in conversation with today jennifer pagan is here yeah 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 you know oh is that a nay i like it it was you're the first person ever like it that's good (laughs) um i've been just waiting for that (laughs) so obviously this one's a little bit uh different than what we typically do. We wanted to just take some time, the three of us, to talk about what's happened this week, where we're at, what we've seen, uh, and just take take some moments to reflect and figure out what happens uh, next on the show and just in general. So why don't we start? I'm just going to start with each of y'all. Uh, in this time, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? Word. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Never thought I'd be answering these questions live <laughs> on air. Um, man, the world has really been treating me abundantly. Um, I'm just really grateful um, for the connection that I've been able to uh, strengthen with my ancestors and with spirits and with people who um, kind of really allow for me to be here today. Um, so the world has just been really beautiful. There's just been an outpouring of love, an outpouring of community, an outpouring of just like collectivity that I've never seen before after getting your ass beat by the cops, right, to go to a space where there's nothing but love and community is like really healing in a sense. So I feel like there has just been, it's just been a collective time of reckoning for the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the world is treating those who are in alignment with that reckoning well. Um, And we are getting everything that we need. Um, But I have been treating the world also fairly well, I think, which is why the world has been treating me well. Um, I've really been getting in tune um, with a more consistent daily like spiritual practice that has really helped ground me um, in my values and in my beliefs and in my visions for the future um, for myself, for my lineage and, you know, for all black people across the diaspora, all African people across the diaspora. Um, Yeah. So I've just been really grateful for the time uh, to connect and the time to just listen and the time to heal like alongside my people um, as we are literally building this new world. And I see it changing in front of my eyes. So it's just been the most gratifying, the most exciting time in my life. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Dame? I mean, answering this question could be the podcast if I, if I, really, <laughs> if I really, really get into it. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the world is treating me well right now. Uh, you know, I'm receiving literally more love than like I could take in, you know, uh, like I, I need literal, like tangible help receiving the love. So that that is a privilege and, and an abundance that I'm so grateful for. Um, but the the world itself is 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 you know even though it may be scary it is so beautiful uh, right now and so I'm just really really happy to be a part of it even though you know I had to experience some harm and discomfort even that because it's manageable and because I feel confident in the ability to heal from it uh, I, I'm grateful to to have been in the position that one more people did not get hurt and two uh, what it has allowed you know in terms of being able to help and articulate this moment. Um, so, you know, there's these two beautiful converging things of everything being up right now is one, there's this foundation of, you know, six or so years of work that prepares us for this time, but then also um, being directly impacted in real time by it um, gives us a responsibility, but also uh, a position and a power and a, a space for accountability that I am grateful for, uh, even though, you know, I don't want to excuse how fucked up the shit was. Um, and I'm treating the world. I'm, I'm, I love the world right now. I'm so charged up. I, I, I just want to be in the world like 10 times more than I already am. I think, again, kind of in the first piece of it, what I'm really feeling is grounded in myself. Uh, I'm feeling a, um, 
uh, a confidence that I that I'm wanting to exude. You know, have struggled uh, to remain grounded in that, even when I know it. Uh, it's hard to always feel it, and I I can't help but feel a confidence that I'm standing on in terms of my treatment of the world. Also means holding shit accountable um, and calling out lines and not being accommodating or being passive. So there's just like a lot of shit that I had taught myself to swallow for 27 years. Um, And just within the last four days, the amount of no, that is not okay. No, that is hurtful. No, that is contradictory. No, we can't move in space like this together. Um, You know, you can't be in this coalition and go on TV talking about praying for the good cops, right? Like there, there are just lines that I would have been passive on, but my responsibility to the world in this time uh, is pushing me to a a greater sense of responsibility. Mm. So, for context, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we need to go like beat by beat. Obviously, there's been so much going on, but if, if folks want to know more about what happened specifically to Damon and Jennifer and a couple other people uh, this past Sunday, you can check out the episode two episodes ago, episode 248, that, that really kind of goes through that in detail. Do y'all feel like we need to to go through what happened? It's up to It's up to y'all. Uh, no. I think we could go through like the implications and like what it means now that that has happened and like what moment we're in. Sure. So that actually makes my life very easy. What What are the implications <laughs> and what does it mean for the moment we're in now? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think right now, like what is really being called to helm is like the disbanding of police, um, the defunding of police, um, the abolishing of the police. Um, You know, we see in Minneapolis, right, like the president of the city council is saying that they're going to disband the police and replace it with like restorative and like kind of transformative uh, folks like social workers and like, you know, folks who are experienced in dealing with specific traumas and not just like one police officer who is meant to deal with like all of these various like traumas and pains that people deal with. Oh, that is just that just makes me so excited. Um, Just the idea that abolition is like coming out of so many people's mouths um, that so many people feel so empowered to like question the police, to question their tactics, um, to fight against the police, to fight against their tactics. And even before like this moment, too, I was a person who was towing that line. Right, I wasn't about to put my body directly in front of police. But right once I did it, it was like a spiritually transformative moment that kind of allows you to see things way more clearly than you did before. So like Damon was talking about, right, like, you know, you almost come out of it a different person and you come out of it with different priorities and different responsibilities. Once I had that baton in my hand and I threw it, it's like, oh, well, this is possible. We can do this. It's really just like an energizing feeling, I think, um, to be a part of this moment and to realize like the work that we've done and right the space that we've built is so useful and is a space for people to like, you know, connect and talk about these strategies so that we can and receive the world that we want. So, yeah, I'm just really excited. I don't even mm-hmm. know if I answered your initial question. No, it's fine. But is that's it, my answer. It was your initial question, actually. <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> I, I can add in to, um, you know, like I always push myself to, I, I think the implications for me is is challenging my thinking always to go from that local to global. And so I'll start with on the local level. So one, like, let's be tangible about it. Our police force has a, co- a commander in chief, or I guess has a commander in chief who has a commander in chief, who is our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, um, who mm-hmm. has done this political performance and told this line and talk out of both sides out of her mouth in a really effective way. Um, and has, I believe intentionally misled community in terms of where she stands for us as part of the acceptable resistance relative to like the popular uprising that's happened right like the folks that she knows how to have tactics against for the last five years to just be outside and to be on camera getting our ass beat while she's making the sears tower blue um right like that is a provocation that people then have to reconcile people can't pretend like she's a celebrity or like she's a cool auntie she's not she's a you know a a a part of the police state explicitly and and a a proud defender of it so you know i think now that the cps contract is is definitely like 
as vulnerable as it could be, uh, which is really exciting. You know, shout out to the Alder folks, the Alder people that, that, that showed up not only for us, like literally to get us out of jail, uh, but show up for this movement right now, particularly Rosanna Rodriguez and Jeanette Taylor. Um, and they are, are beginning to push for defunding. And we're hearing Lori having to say out loud, no, I want all of this money to go to the police. So now all you fucking clergy folks and all you donors, right? Where do you stand, right? Like I'm not big on binaries and dichotomies usually, but at a certain point there are lines. Um, and this is a pretty clear line. And seeing her be on the other side of it, uh, I think is going to be really helpful for people's political consciousness. Um, also the fact that now it's amazing, right? Like, so the Saturday before, just like the mass action downtown, it was, t- I don't see no like drone number, but it was tens of thousands of people, right? Like mm-hmm. I could recognize it with my eyes. You know, it wasn't even like hands up, don't shoot or or send them, send them to jail. Um, it was babies and mamas and everybody. Like the signs were abolition. Um, and, you know, shout out to Miriam Kaba, shout out to, to Ruthie Wilson Gilmore. But like folks who've been listening to this show this whole time when we were just, you know, over recording WHBK, you know, you'd try to figure it out. Know that like at that time, it was a few dozen people in this city that had that language, right? <laughs> and so for within five years to see thousands of people talking about defunding the police and abolishing the police uh, just feels like such a, a, a victory. Um, and then seeing abolition put in work, right? So people may have been hearing, um, you know, for folks who are familiar with Let Us Breathe work and what we did in Freedom Square, uh, I've been trying to push within movement, like, hey, com- we need to do something like this on a, on a citywide scale, right? And so Freedom Square is this space across from this police torture facility where we feed people and where we do arts programs and where we show up for communal needs. And so seeing that oh fuck the police let's go feed our community in every neighborhood across the city right like people are being pushed into abolition in a right? decentralized like, not from one office right, type of way some mccormick foundation no type it's of like all that. the people no, who are like, trying to figure out what to do what they did was they gathered money and food from people and then distributed it to the people around them to their neighbors and took care of their needs and, and so it's just so affirming of like <laughs> man we wasn't tripping or we wasn't like isn't it weird know, do it too much <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And like to to the larger project of abolition, it shows that we can build like these networks of care that we need. Right. So the stuff that cops claim that they do in our communities, we can do that ourselves. Right. And we can have like medics and we can have like food. We can have like therapists. We can have like social workers deployed and we can actually build these networks that will allow us to have like like you all are saying, like people centered and collective movement and action. And it is like it is super, super beautiful to like see that this popping up. But we've known that. (laughs) all of a sudden everyone else is like huh like it is so obviously it's beautiful and great it is so surreal yeah to watch cosmic it's a cosmic righteousness yes that's very helpful because if you don't go to that scale this shit is just doesn't make any sense because it's literally happening everywhere in the world right now this is the largest uprising historically like Ever. Yeah. Um, like this is this is 10 times bigger than the 60s, right? Like like our elders have never seen this. Like there there is no context for this in human history. So just every state of the United States, right, ha- had simultaneous uprising. Hundreds of cities at one time, many of them were in, on fire. That that has never happened. And then I, I can't keep up, but countries across the world. 18 countries as of three days ago. You know, at one time in uprising or in response or in resistance, like that has almost from a technological standpoint has never even been possible. And so we're not even talking about like American history. We're talking about human history, like hundreds of thousands of years. There has never been this much political activity at one time. Uh, And so what that means is beyond me and my little big words, but like it means everything is possible. Uh, (laughs) And so, yeah, so the implications are beyond the capacity of the human species. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to figure out like what happened, like how we <laughs> how we got <laughs> to a place where there are two marches in Alaska supporting <laughs> yeah. black life. Right. And like there are 4000 people in the streets of Des Moines. Like what? And, and so there's obviously a lot that happened and a lot of it is just the quality of work that's been done in the past culminating and fermenting and leading and growing some of it is like the unacceptableness of the last three years and then you know the i think kind of the cherry on top and i've heard a couple people say this is the collective understanding that came from everyone going inside three months ago yes Yes. Yes. that was exactly my answer and knowing that our fates are interwoven regardless of who you are 
and the, the language of, you know, however essential worker got perverted of like, these are the most vulnerable. These are the people providing the most labor. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. They can't live. Mm -hmm. They can't survive. And if they can't live, if they can't be there to provide that labor, then we can't live. And this interconnectedness, I think, and people just needed the catharsis of being in a crowd so badly. There's this great lyric from a singer songwriter song goes go to a protest just to rub up on strangers which i think is like <laughs> <laughs> a big part of it like wait but whoa though but <laughs> <laughs> but that feeling of like in the in the crowd in the group in, right. in that in that like organism yeah. buzzing yeah does uh, that that's where god is yeah in that in that collective so does that feel how do y'all think the covid shit set this uh, well, no, I think like all the things you're saying, right? Like people just see how clearly our society is organized, right? And how clearly um, inequity plays into all of this, how clearly anti-Blackness, how clearly like racism, capitalism plays into all of this. And so I think all of those things are at the forefront, particularly when you have a president um, who is like unaware and is vapid and is like not intelligent, People are seeing right in front of their eyes, like how this world works and who is allowed access, who was allowed power. Um, right. Because we saw like Wall Street get bailed out. We saw like all these motherfucking corporations get bailed out. But literally like essential workers dying, people not having protective equipment, nurses having to wear bandanas. Right. So people see like this very clearly. So it's like that other like just call to action moment. Right. Like me getting like beat my ass beat by cops made me see things more clearly. Right. And the fact that people are seeing all of this pain and all this inequity and all this anti-black like racism during this time is like making them furious, righteously angry. Um, and I think it is really awakening, uh, you know, different things in people um, that they maybe weren't able to access because of these systems. Right. And so people are even beginning to think of themselves outside of capitalism. Right. Outside of like maybe I don't need to have this job. Right. Maybe I don't need to like work eight hours a day. You know, maybe it is because of my job that I'm fucking depressed. Right. And that I can't work out. Right. So it's it wasn't like me. That was a problem. It was this that was the problem. Right. Because during quarantine, people are doing yoga. People are eating healthy. People are cooking at home. People are spending more time with their children, right? Uh, folks don't have to travel like 35 minutes to get to school that's on the other side of the city, right? They're learning in an environment that is so like all these things that we know that we need that have been kind of uncovered by the fact of like this pandemic and like how capitalist like centric it has been is, is just motivating people to want a different reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like the most beautiful thing that could have ever happened out of this moment. Yeah. So I, I I agree. So um, what I hear is like collective consciousness, right? Like we're seeing the the our our political and corporate institutions um, for what they are and their harm and their lack of value that they bring to our lives. Right. Uh, so so exactly like, do I need to go to work? Right? Like, is that even just asking that question from a point of consciousness has been been simmering in people's bodies for three months? But then also experience, right? So it's one thing for there to be a news story where everybody's seeing the same thing. Like, oh, you know, like, let's say some Enron type shit comes around and people are like, oh, we all see this as something wrong. Uh, and like, this is a, a, a microcosm of our system at large, but I'm still doing my damn thing, right? Because we were forced into collective experience, whether it's people in Hollywood, people in middle America, people on the South side of Chicago, since there was this, we, are all, we all can't go outside. We all can't move freely. Um, that also meant that people were not burdened by these oppressive responsibilities that we had. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And so when it's like, oh, I want to go outside right now, uh, it's like, yeah, bet. Like, <laughs> the only thing stopping me from going outside is my spirit of not wanting to get people sick. But there is not these other pulls on us right now in the same way. So like, for example, during Freedom Square, which is one one thousandth of a percent of what we're seeing right now, um, you know, motherfuckers fucked with it, but a lot of people had shit to do. A lot of people had jobs. A lot of people were like, oh, I can't sleep out here. I can't give a day to be able to maintain my body, to be able to uphold all these responsibilities. A lot of that was wiped out. Uh, we were able to do it because we ain't had no job. So, <laughs> so it was easy for us to say fuck it. Well, and, and plus, of course, as they always say, we were we were funded by the globalists. So we were all getting rich from that too. So that's really helpful. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... I, th I think the collective conscious and collective experience and that experience, not just of the pandemic, you know, from what I heard from, you know, Aislinn from BLM Chicago, when talking to folks in Minneapolis before things even went to another level uh, was that 
this is not Ferguson. This is not Baltimore of it is only, you know, the organic spirit and rage of young people. There are also organizers who've been building for the last five to six years. They're also, you know, like the, the memory it's not just like the historical memory, the physical memory and experience from Philando Castile in 2016 was in the people. So it's similar to how we have Dorothy Holmes and Orewa and the, the family of Pierre Lowry and, you know, Martinez Sutton here in Chicago that, that, that tangibilize our resistance and lead us. Uh, that was the same folks who were saying, hey, we're not going to. You can't make this a good cop, bad cop conversation. Look at all of these mothers without children right here. And we know how to organize. We already know the chance. We know direct action. Um, we've been doing the teach-ins, right? So movement building, as this what we've been trying to cover in this show, it did something, right? Like, people were ready to say this shit. Yeah. Um, and that means that we've been working. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, Dame, like, the difference between any historical moments. The amount of people who are out who... Uh, I never thought I'd see out or just the amount of people wrestling and discussing this. And and I think like you said, a lot of it is the fact that people don't have other shit going on. And that sounds like glib, but I don't think it is. It's like they have the space to look at this and they've realized they've been fucked over in the last three months. Like you got to see it in real time and, and what that's created both in the tangible is what you named Dame, but also in general is that the, the reforms that were posited as the like most progressive acceptable thing three years ago are now laughable. Like yeah. DeRay can yeah. try his little, Oh my God. But, Ooh, wow. But that shit people aren't going to go for now. Like if you, if your statement right now is that we need body cams, like not only will we say that's ridiculous, the general populace will say that's ridiculous. People who, who, would have said that was too much four years ago would say that's ridiculous now. And I think a lot of this also comes from the increased class consciousness of the last four years and the, you know, the outcomes of from Occupy into BLM into, you know, the rise of democratic socialism. There's, there's an understanding. March. Exactly. There's an understanding of where and how wealth is being consolidated right now that people who are otherwise okay <laughs> didn't have before that is even more unacceptable to them. You know, I'm sure it's not everyone, but being able to make that connection between racism and classism and being able to understand how racial capitalism is functioning in this, like that was just not part of any large conversation. Uh, you know, again, it's really weird because we've been talking that shit, but not that many people listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't say that we, you know, it was happening, but, you know, just seeing those things be understood in concert and that the key to this isn't like, you know, boistering capitalism to include everybody. Like, it's just a really different conversation than I ever heard two years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Word. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the mentioning of like physical and like communal infrastructure really kind of had me thinking more largely about how. Um, we're also like tapping into like spiritual infrastructures that have already existed as well. And so like these like ancient, like sacred systems that like our ancestors used um, to write, to resist enslavement, to resist captivity, to resist like colonialism and how that knowledge and that awareness is also being tapped into during this time and also plays a very big role um, into why people are doing what they're doing and why people feel compelled to like go into the streets right now too. So it is, like I was saying earlier, it's a very cosmic, like righteous anger and it's a large time for reckoning as well. Um, and like a lot of this shit that we're realizing is shit has always been a distraction from building that spiritual infrastructure and from building that larger spiritual mm. connection. Mm. Um, and so because we literally don't have access to like our culture and like to our ancestors and to like our history, We've had to like deal with all this bullshit and be distracted by it and assign value to ourselves based on it. Um, and now we see that we have the ability to determine our own lives and determine our own value um, and determine our own environments. And so it is just like a really like collectively empowering, transformative moment um, that is very spiritual as well. Mm. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that yeah. into there as well. Yeah. We, we went really, really big here because uh, it's a big moment. Um, what for the two of y'all on, on a smaller scale or on a, on a more specific scale, what's exciting to you right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm excited to, it's weird to say, like, I'm excited to do what I've been trying to do, what we've been doing, uh, just at a larger scale. So, you know, 
Um, as somebody who really enjoys being able to be in conversation and work through these ideas with people and introduce new information, if we want to call that teaching and educating, I, I, you know, I stand in that space. I'm eager for new ways to do it. There's now so many opportunities. You know, you can just pull up to a, a food drop off and just be in conversation with folks. Um, you know, there there is the mass activity that's really important, and I, I, I want to lend myself to it because I definitely see the value of it, and it is, it is an entry point for so many. Uh, but I'm excited to see that, similar to us not knowing what we were doing in 2014 and 2015, there are new spirits that are taking to the street. Um, and so you could just join that and find the people and really push people towards organizing and being able to... I was so desperate and eager for for guidance and for lessons of like, hey, what should we not be doing? What should we be looking for? How do we organize our people? Um, and so just this work is such a human study to be able to help folks understand how do we manage our internal conflict? Um, how do we make sure that we uh, are being collective? What are the values and codes that we need to uplift in this time? Uh, how do we, I think one of the things I'm really excited about or or determined is pushing people against individualism, specifically Black people, specifically Black people interested in liberation, but all people. Uh, But it just needs to be named that individualism is a philosophical concept, um, and it was created during colonialism to support white supremacy. Like, it did not exist before white supremacy. Damn, I'm so mad. I just wrote an essay about this, and now everyone's (laughs) going to think I just took the ideas from you. It's going to be great. We share. Yeah, we share. We do. Uh, (laughs) And so it it did not exist before that, Um, and it is is the same logic and system that slammed me on my head um, and could have killed me, and and it is the same... Uh, flow and logics that has been the the biggest disruptor to liberatory organizing and movement building. Uh, And so any selfishness and any arrogance, uh, we all have trauma, we all have pain we have to work through and we should do it collectively and we have to heal, but we have a lot of personal responsibility uh, and two collective responsibility, right? Uh, And and that that feels really exciting. So even our materialism, our consumerism uh, that we kind of just like flatten or, or, or try to hide in our contradiction, like that needs to come to the forefront. The way that we build personal platforms or try to air quote brand ourselves all of that needs to be challenged for a a larger uh collective consciousness and so really really pushing against individualism as as a often invisible supporter of white supremacy that enters so many of our spaces is really exciting to be able to have space to challenge people on that yeah i mean and just to to add on to that what makes it so destructive and just for a little context and i think this is a conversation we're going to keep having but if the logics of it dictate that the most important right is the individual right to, to have the agency to do whatever they want without uh, being checked on that, what that means is it absolves the person of the implications of their actions on the collective, right? So if you go like, I have the right to walk around with a gun, then what that, and that that is held up above, above all else, that means that then under that logic, you are not accountable <laughs> for the harm that's done by you doing that. As opposed to a you know a freedom from something, I saw this great essay: the distant, distant, the difference between freedom from and freedom to. All of our rights in this country are individual rights that are I have the freedom as an individual to do this, to do this, to my life, my property, my all these things. And freedom from is a collective freedom that we as a group have the have the freedom from the fear of this threat or the freedom from hunger or the freedom from all these things. But the, the shift into one means that you're not responsible for the implications on the, on the rest of the group. Yeah. And I, I think for me, like kind of maybe opposite of where Damon was standing, but I feel like five years ago, I didn't know my role. I wasn't like screaming abolition at the top of my, you know what I'm saying? I was really trying to figure out how I would move within this whole sphere and this whole like orb of things. And so I feel like now what's most exciting is just that, right? Like finding and embracing my role within the collective and figuring out how I can best use like what I know and what I have um, to support, right? This creation of larger systems of collective care that kind of exist outside of like capitalism that exists outside of like this dumbass like constitution, right? That exists outside of like all these things, right? And so I'm really like excited um, to see that people know that they have the power um, and the wherewithal to create the world that they want, right? And to create structures like within their community, on their blocks, right? That will nourish their bodies, that will, you know, protect the people in their community. And I'm really excited um, that people are moving into 
just talking to each other more, right? And just like interacting with folks on a more human level um, and being more empathetic um, and being more understanding of how, what happens to you and like what you experience and what happens to other people. We're just all interconnected, right? So the fact that someone else is hungry should also like affect me. The fact that someone else doesn't have a shelter, doesn't have a home is also connected to me and like my liberation. Just this real collective pursuit of liberation that has has been uh, really beautiful and empowering for, for me. Building off of that, I've been really having this wonderful feeling through this, and it goes to what both of y'all said. Maybe it's just experience, but I also think it's from learning and thinking about these things and building ideas around it of just not feeling timid and not feeling... Uh, scared to be honest <laughs> like of mm-hmm. there's just a and, and i was talking about it in therapy yesterday so we're at that portion of the show where daniel talks about his therapist <laughs> but she, she said this really powerful thing uh about the difference between fitting in and belonging mm-hmm. that in the the, mm-hmm. the the metaphor that she mentioned seeing was you have like a head of garlic and there's one clove missing and there's an orange slice that fits in perfectly but no matter how well it fits it's not a piece of garlic <laughs> right <laughs> Um, and I think for, you know, just personally, and then I think I would hope that this is happening for a lot of people who have been in this work. It's just so much less about fitting in and conformity. It it sounds like it's a collective process, but it's actually not right. It's about Mm -hmm. retaining power, but creating spaces where people can belong as their full selves. That's collectivity, right? That's not conformity and uh, uniformity. That's their space for everyone in our community here (laughs) to be able to bring themselves to the table. And then we can figure it out from there. Um, But just personally for in the last three days going through my small removed version of of all this and contributing the ways I have, it's the first time in a very long time that I haven't felt uh, like an outsider or like I was trying to fit in like Mm. who I was and what Mm -hmm. I was bringing was just what, it was just what I what I was bringing, <laughs> you know. It's just who I was. Exactly. Just show, doing what I can, and that's. And then when there are more people doing that, the pressure feels so much less on the individual, right? Because yeah. if there's ten thousand people in the streets, <laughs> then there's more space for other people to do other things that are just as needed. There isn't an, a, a scarcity in the same way. Does that ring true for y'all at all? When you compare it to how this felt four years ago, of like there's a home for me here. Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, it. I definitely feel that so much. I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, is that the right metaphor? Whatever. Um, We're also going to invent. I'm now going to invent a sound effect for hitting the nail on the head. So, <laughs> folks, you're in to get into it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I, I really do feel like I belong in that, you know, what I'm bringing to the table is valuable. And that the things that I do are valuable and that, you know, they are connected to the other things that other people are doing. And, you know, there's some synergy like that exists here, too. Um, yeah. And so it, it is a really beautiful feeling to feel confident, like in what you're bringing to the table um, and what you're bringing to your community um, in the midst of like pandemic and in the midst of all this other shit. Right. It feels really good to be settled and like grounded in those contributions. And I think, you know, once people are able to like do like the work within themselves so that they can see those contributions, so they can see like the value that that brings, then I think it'll be much easier, right, for us to kind of engage in this collective moment as well. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And, and you know, I want to like kind of affirm what I'm hearing from both of y'all from like another side of the perspective, because as someone who has had adequate space within movement, right, and, and can be centered or, can, you know, has access to platform or gets asked to be the host of the thing or of the event. Uh, I have also even struggled with that feeling of belonging, uh, even though I'm in the, you know, the air quote, like 1% of movement elite, you know what I'm saying? And so just like, that is a, a human feeling. I'm sorry, um, I have to um, do my Bernie impression just because you said it. <laughs> the 1%. 1%. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, as, as, as somebody who, who gets a lot of space, I have felt that, and yeah, being able to move past that and just saying that that is a, a a human experience, right? Like our society has not given us the tools to live together collectively. So us trying to do it feels weird and wrong 
each and every time, right? Like <laughs> we're having to like remake these pathways in our blood to be linked with with our fellow human being. Um, and so there's fear and insecurity uh, because we have at least a few centuries of this fracturing or ripping apart uh, of our collective spirit. And so trying to reconnect it, it's like trying to put a, a broken vase back together in a lot mm. of ways. And so you don't know where each piece is supposed to be, but you know that all goes together. <laughs> and, and or so, you know that you should leave some pieces behind. Ooh. Ooh. And just have a different fucking vase. Yeah, maybe hey. just go buy a new vase. Fuck it, buy a new vase. <laughs> and, and, and make a goddamn mosaic out of that goddamn vase. Make some art out of it. Make some beauty. Jennifer, so, w- welcome to the show we, where we extend metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so as we're putting these shines back together, right? Like, I myself am feeling confident. Because, you know, I'm aware of the, the, the historical contradiction of my position, right? Like, I am somebody who wants to speak and talk and think about these things, and I'll do it anywhere, right? Like, I've, I'll do it in a room with four people, uh, and if somebody invites me to do it in front of 4,000, I would do that comfortably and confidently. Uh, but there is contradiction to that. There is, you know, there there is value that I add, and there's real work I've done to put me in that space, but there's also some unearned positionality that puts me in that space really easily Mm -hmm. Uh, and people are looking for a me right like where's the Mm -hmm. next leader uh they don't imagine a jennifer uh they they don't imagine a trans body they don't imagine a larger body they don't imagine a disabled body historically they are looking for the daemons right uh because you're such a cutie (laughs) that's why i try to look messy to try to To try to get people. Oh, to that's trust it. Me. That's what it's been this whole time. <laughs> oh, wow, what a so, what a twenty twenty <laughs> rationalization of you being bummed. <laughs> just looking messy. Wow. <laughs> I stopped hiring my clothes in twenty fifteen. Uh, <laughs> and so, but I'm letting some of that go, right? Because some of that I'm proud of, and some of that is work I really need to do. Uh, but a lot of that is projection and insecurity and fear. So you know, my place is to speak about this stuff, um, and I don't have to be afraid. I've also learned and done the work. So five six years ago, if I ever tried it. I probably would have done the bullshit I was afraid that I was going to do, but I am accountable uh, and, I, and I've earned the respect of my people to to, to do these things appropriately. Uh, and so that feels really great. And then even, even the, the things that we discount, right? Like in rejecting individual, I, I uplift the idea of personal. I know people want to s- say one person. And so that's what I encourage people to say because uh, individual to me means one divided from the rest uh, and a person is just a person, right? So our personal work is still important to this collective project. Um, and so I've had fear about asking or about investing or, you know, as a writer and as a, as a, as a hip hop artist, right? Like I have access to all of them, you know? Uh, and so, you know, putting myself in the space that I want to be in so that I can have these conversations with people so I can help people's thinking. I was discouraged and trying to build the courage and, and release the fear, uh, to get to that place. And, you know, they knocked it out of me. Hmm. Wow. So when the mixtape comes, we know who to thank is what you're saying. <laughs> 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 They're sponsoring your mixtape, is what you say? CPDK Incorporated. <laughs> uh, um, do y'all have anything else you want to make sure we talk about? Not that I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. Can we talk about uh, a couple petty things? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah let's, let's so, so while people have been doing a lot of real work, it's not completely petty. It is pretty wild, but. As you mentioned, Jennifer, like time of reckoning, just seeing people who have been on bullshit coming out. Yeah. So what the what the Chicago Cool Kid crew has been in a fervor about for the last 48 hours, and we don't even have to talk that specifically about the person of it, but the like whole Nini's Deli shit. Have y'all seen anything about this? Or have you been- yeah. I don't know. So explain it, because I know Nini's Deli is the cool kid place. I don't know why. Uh, uh, and I've seen that there's something been happening around Nini's. Please give yeah. me the context. I just think it's important because that is the other context of the show. Um, and it's a really important microcosm of understanding the difference between like reaction and then like what is this world we're trying to build towards. So mm-hmm. basically, uh, they weren't posting shit. And, you know, they've been so, you know, in the like internet activism of the last four days, it's all been like, if you haven't made a statement, then like clearly you are in opposition. Um which to some degree I think is true, but it's also just like people who are doing work in other ways. But anyway, and then they asked the dude, Wani, who runs it and whose parents started the restaurant. And he basically like refused to say Black Lives Matter because it was like 
uh, he he supports black life because everyone was made in Jesus's image, and it became this like evangelical church thing. Um, so what has and emerged, also like anti-Muslim sentiment, like, right? So what has emerged well. is that uh, so he's a member of an evangelical. Him and his brother, his older brother, are members of an evangelical church. And what his brother has said in these, there have been like actions outside of this deli. Basically, like people have mm-hmm. swarmed. So they went out after getting all this criticism. And he started standing on the corner and preaching. Uh, and people started coming and talking back and talking shit. And then they called the cops. Mm. Um, oh, fuck them. Right. And so, so yes. And what his brother has said. And so it's his older brother, I believe. Because a lot of people were saying, like, this dude's been fake. He's actually also gay or queer. And so, like, he was kind of being outed in that way, and that was obviously contradictory. But then his brother saying, no, we sent him to conversion therapy. And oh, so he's wow. not gay. Jesus took care of that for him. Oh, oh my so God. Sad. So, so, so what I'm watching right now, and I'm glad that that was y'all's reaction, because this is actually the only reason I wanted to bring this up, was not just to, to spill, quote, spill tea, but the heartbreak of seeing the, the pain and the trauma that causes people to not be able to be in solidarity right so what are all of the reasons why someone can't bring themselves fully to support life is because of perhaps in this instance and i know for other people all the ways that they've had to pull them their themselves back and not be able to belong in order to fit in Mm. um and you know i'm this isn't to defend the stance or the restaurant but it's just that was the emotion that i had as i watched this and, and watched it unfold is that this is a person who regardless of what they think is now having this public airing of mm. what is clearly trauma, trauma. around their sexuality yeah. from their family and from their social institution. Um, and so I just want to ask <laughs> that if anyone's hearing this who's involved in those conversations, like make the critique without weaponizing his queerness and that story against him. And that applies across the board, is that the ways that we that we call people out or call people in regardless it is ineffective not to mention more harmful to weaponize those pieces of them uh, uh, against them um and so the critique can be made and i still feel in it but i just felt really really bad watching this all unfold for this man who's being put and put himself in a really terrible position i i, I just wanted to make sure we said that at this moment when yeah i didn't even point. know like that additional layer i the only thing that I knew and that I had seen like happening was that like he was, you know, just expressing like, you know, anti-Muslim kind of like shit, like while he was outside of Nini's delis and then they kind of evaded accountability and turned off the comments on their posts. Oh, yeah. I mean, the um, shit, the shit is crazy. Yeah, like, they were saying I didn't even wild know shit. that yeah. added layer um, and that that makes it just so much more heartbreaking, I think. Um, then like my initial reaction to it is is that there's just so much like trauma that yeah. is like within this yeah i mean it's 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 you're right then you made a great connection like it's so central because they find the police from our communities right right like this whole idea of this disembodied white like yes the I'm, it is a white supremacist space and and white men have disproportional power in there but there are plenty and pl- especially over the last four years right like all the billboards y'all saw for cpd hiring all up mm-hmm. and down the ryan mm-hmm. you know of 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 we're we're going to high school fairs and we're blah 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 and it's this many benefits and rewards right like they do a really good job of of finding and creating these divisions within people, right? So like the church, which is something I'm even becoming more boisterous about, and their relationship to state military power, you know, it, it is a, it is a deep thing. And that policing is homophobic. And also, right, that policing is more than the gun and the badge for me, right? Like it, it's something Miriam, doing, Miriam said a lot was yeah. that we're not calling for the abolition of police. We're calling for the abolition of policing. And there are many different roles that do policing. And we do that in uninstitutionalized ways all the time. Yeah. Um, and we are supporting it all the time. And so, you know, conversion therapy is policing, like literally, like that you are policing someone's body, their autonomy, right? Like the church in most of its uh, blanketed morality is a policing on people's behavior and consciousness. And, you know, people go to good churches and blah, 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 it's nuanced. And we've had this conversation in many ways pulled out over the years. Uh, but as a whole, I see it too often. And so like, yeah, th- that is something that I want people to really start to question themselves about is that it's very easy to just go oink, oink, middle finger up to the the folks in the uniform and then come back home and remain 
in these like abusive, dominant type of ways, even if it's not physical, within community, within ourselves. And abolition is a holistic transformational process. It is not just about city budgets, even though that's probably where it starts. Yeah. And to that point, that can happen in religious institutions. It can also happen in your families. It can happen in your jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. what I'm seeing so much right now, is, exactly, is people pushing back in their respective spaces against the ways that these logics of policing and anti-blackness are implicit or compl- or uh, explicit, right? And that's what feels different. It's like, yes, there's a shit ton of people in the streets, but I was talking with my brother yesterday about this and I was saying like, you're not far from where this is. You're not on the outside of where this is happening. There's no one place where this is happening. If it's happening in all 50 states, everywhere is where this is happening right now. This is happening on people's fam- over people's family dinners and happening at people's staff meetings and happening on their Zoom calls and happening when they sit in, in, in quiet at the end of the day with a drink in their hand. There is no outside of this right now. And so that means that everyone is implicated to figure out what they can contribute and to figure out like how do they do that transformational work personally and communally and it sounds really daunting when you haven't been doing it it is like the most gratifying thing in the world <laughs> to work through and to get to a place where you feel like you and the people you love and the people that you're connected to can be their whole selves and we don't have to be using violent logics on each other anyone who's listening who feels like they're on the outside you're not you just have the opportunity to be doing this where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and that was probably, my, you know, you're speaking right to what I'm feeling like my biggest takeaway is right now. Like you're provoked, you're showing up, right? Now it's time to organize. And I'm really intentional about trying to demystify that word. There's been like some cachet and even some like latent elitism in the idea of like who is an organizer. Thanks a lot, Obama. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, there, there's, there, oh man, please don't get... Well, no, I'm... Uh, Let's all right. Let, That's a whole I, different episode. I'll do that next week. Y'all already <laughs> y'all already know where I stand. If you could listen to, if you're a new listener, man, he's a piece of shit. All right. That's that's you got you got it off your back. Um so yeah, let's let's think about organizing in, in a few ways what the word is just to like break some of it down. Cause I, people come to us like, what should I do? And you know, organize like basically the, the dictionary definition is something close to uh coordinated and collective decision making, right? And so, you know, a, a, first of all, most households are an organization or an organized unit. Uh and so it can really literally start there. Uh, but then also like a, you know, me and like the magic of the word and etymology of it, right? Like organize organ to organ eyes to make a body right and so whatever you do make a body of that so if you do hair all the hairdressers should be together just talking about shit how how are we gonna make sure that our braids are the most revolutionary and coordinated right now right like if or if that you, where you're buying them from isn't an exploitative business boom 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 right like if you do if you do media if you rap if you if you're a student it like literally whatever you do there are people around you, people who disagree, people who agree, people who are in some type of relationship. Make those relationships intentional. You can fuck around and put a name on it. Or you can start a Facebook page or whatever. All you need is three people to be an organization, right? Like, uh, uh, actually two. Uh, and and just organize with your people. You may organize and make mistakes. You may be contradictory. There's a lot of political education that can come. Uh, but, it, you know, political education means nothing. We have all of the text. We don't actually need too much new knowledge, right? Like over the last hundred years, our tradition has produced what we need for right now. So you can go find the books, uh, but you won't do that without being connected and pulled and responsible and accountable to a body, to a group of people. Uh, And so no matter what you do right now, when you show up and you're angry, find the people who are angry just like you. Find the people that are cute the way that you're cute. Find the people who sign, say the same thing. Find the people who are tweeting, you know, the joint. Start a thread. You know, there's so many very low stakes, easy ways to organize. And then that's when the real work starts, right? Like that's when you start to see, oh man, we have a lot of cognitive dissonance in terms of having liberatory ideas and how we treat each other, right? Like we, we do not know how to do these things. Oh man, we're saying like, we want housing. Who in our community knows how to repair these houses, right? Like, oh man, somebody's hungry. We need to figure out how to get them food, right? Because we care about them. Oh, these are all the steps it takes to get food free, right? Like, oh shit, look at the system that is in our way of trying to make this open mic. Like if you just organize, you'll find all of the, the systematic issues then come to the surface. So find your people and do it intentionally. Don't just be retweeting. Don't just be emoji and fist up. Uh, that is a great start. 
We will never criticize anybody's entry point. You should be very, very proud of yourself if you were activated or provoked right now. Don't feel late. It's never too late. Uh, but now your mandate is to go be intentional and to stay in the proverbial streets, even if that doesn't mean you're walking down an avenue. And I just also, too, wanted to point out like this language of organizer and how I even felt it was like limiting me and my abilities and my capacities. So some language that I've been leaning more towards is cultural worker. And so it's the idea that like all the labor and all like the work that you are doing occurs with an intention, right? And you're accountable to like a larger community too. So I even think that goes further than like organizer, right? Because there can be people, a lot of organizers organizing shit and they may not be accountable to like a larger community. That's the label that I've been working yeah, towards to, good point. to they, reconcile that contradiction. Also fascist organized as well. So it's not just like a, <laughs> it's not just a neutral word. Like you have right. to be liberatory and anti-oppressive in your organizing. Well, but yeah. And the term that, and it's Jennifer, I'm glad you said that. It's something Damon and I have actually talked about a lot because I've had some similar insecurities around it is, and where I've kind of come to is like movement worker, right? Mm. If there's movement, everyone working within that, movement forward is working with it like you know you know organizers are one piece culture workers are one piece all of the the kind of umbrella for all those things Mm -hmm. is people working in movement and moving the moving it forward there's so much more space in that because whatever you do you can do in service of movement. If you're an accountant, you can do that in service of movement. If you're a, yes, a, you la- a landscaper, <laughs> go do some free accounting <laughs> for real. Because these like ca- these cash app donations are about to be a disaster <laughs> for for nonprofits. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's at least for me what's been what's been the helpful kind of umbrella term. So thanks, Damon. Ah, uh, you're welcome. Um, I love you guys. Love you too. <laughs> I think we can wrap that. I mean, we're gonna keep talking. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what we do. Um, but I wanted to just ask y'all the same question we've been asking people through the whole on the line series to end, which is a two parter. Uh, what can folks who are listening who want to be contributing uh, to your work do right now? And two, what's something maybe since Sunday you've been doing as much as you can uh, to be more okay? Sure. I mean, you can hit up uh, Let Us Breathe, Cash App, and PayPal if you have financial uh, support available. Uh, I would follow Let Us Breathe 773, the Let Us Breathe Collective on Facebook, uh, Let Us Breathe 773 on Instagram and Twitter as we're trying our best as as plans are being developed uh, rapidly to disseminate. Uh, I mean, it's kind of redundant, but if you're listening to this, follow Ergo Radio. Um, you know, Ergo and Let Us Breathe live symbiotically and are the same or different, but you know, it, Ergo has been doing a lot of maintaining the resource list. And so that's where I'm directing people f- towards in terms of like, how do I plug in most directly? Anything else on support before we talk about how we've been okay? Um, yeah, I think, you know, kind of like Daniel is a really good model of this, but you know, white folks just really using your access and your power and redistributing it um, to folks who are on the ground, to folks who are um, in some of the most vulnerable communities. Um, and I've really been seeing a lot of uh, beautiful efforts like towards that and even like within our own space. So just pushing people to continue to do that um, and continue to think more clearly about that as well. And, and take a, 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 this is less like tangible, but just like in terms of everybody should feel equipped to take this stance. Um, do not allow the conversations of good cops to enter in this moment and do not allow the conversation of violence or peace, the violent, peaceful protest dichotomy that our political establishment rests on. Um, if you hear the, that language, that is somebody who's misinformed or intentionally uh, aiding our oppression. So, uh, uh, just be very staunch in that in any space that you're in and you can be gentle with folks if they need to learn yeah uh and then support uh obviously you know the most marginalized and the folks that you know the lack of effective accountability and protection impacts the most um and so i would name that being uh you know folks in street organizations uh uh sex workers survivors of sexual violence and trans and gender nonconforming bodies you know obviously poor people at large but specifically black poor people who have those extra marginalized identities within our community uh whenever you see violence against trans bodies whenever you see survivors of sexual violence right like that is what we need to be uplifting and centering in this time because not only is it you know a good thing and moral and the virtue signal of it uh but if you do that then you are training your brain to see all of the intersections um and by centering you know those who are most marginalized you will be able to speak to power in a much more effective and and healthy way um Mm. 
one point of clarification, uh, the cash app is dollar sign let us breathe and the PayPal email is let us breathe 2015 at gmail.com. Just wanted to give that information quite clearly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all, right. all right. Second part of the we question. Yeah. yeah, second Go question. Ahead. Word. Um, I've just been, you know, preemptive spiritual action really for me. Um, so it was funny because even before the whole getting the asked me by cops thing happened, I had been making like protection baths and like spiritual baths to kind of recuperate because of another issue that we had going on. Um, and so just the idea of preemptive spiritual action, like I'm at my altar, I'm taking my baths, I'm, you know, I'm checking in with myself, I'm doing yoga, I'm, you know, eating well-balanced, nutritious meals, right? So for me, um, just taking the time to take care of myself um, and not allowing like this rapid response moment to interfere with like the foundation that I've built. Um, and kind of take us back to those like burnout moments of Ferguson or like 2015 or like Laquan. Um, so just maintaining like a meditative level of focus uh, during this time as things are moving quickly. It's so important. I mean, to, to be honest, it has been uh, a struggle for me um, because, you know, the, 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 the impact is not just like emotional or psychological. It's not just like strain. Like I, I, my, my body really really took something. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I've been physically struggling. Uh, and so the, the things that I know that I maintain my health have not been like readily available for me. So like, I haven't been able to consume nutrients. So I, I try to make the smoothie and it's hard for me to finish it. Uh, my, my, my sleep has been difficult. It's been hard for me to stretch because of like vision things like reading and writing or, or even like watching things on screens have been really difficult. And so the spiritual bath that, that Jennifer made for me was was really helpful and effective. Um, yesterday, being able to like leave the city and go out to my dad's house, which is about you know thirty five or so minutes away, and kind of be out of the like you know like the politics are kind of like in the walls of our house, and so I feel it all. Uh, and then like breathing room offers some reprieve, but it's also a very high, high charged space right now. Uh, so just getting out for a second and knowing that it, that was okay uh, was really helpful. And then lastly, like even if it's not a direct like confrontation, just releasing and, and being very honest and, and, and standing in, in, in my power and integrity of the things that I'm feeling and seeing, right? Because just a lesson historically, uh, like something that we can never, I think, prevent or preempt is that these high-charge high times, whether the next one is 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now, uh, they don't just like bring opportunity and bring space for analysis. They also bring up all of the trauma and insecurity of, of us, particularly pandemic on top of uprising. And so with that, there's a lot of shit uh, and you can make space for it and you can be empathetic, but also there are core guidelines and, and values that we have to uphold. Um, and so when I see things that are, are contrary to our collective liberation, our collective health, uh, those would be things I would accommodate and be like, oh, they're going through something. It's not in my place to say, you know, uh, but now it really is my place. And so when I just say it out loud, uh, freely and how I feel it, it takes me a while, but getting it out of my body uh, has been really helpful. Mm. Again, personally, communal, just we're getting this shit out. <laughs> cool. I, I think we can wrap there. Y'all feel good? I feel great. Jennifer, you feel good? We're going to continue sharing a bunch of resources on Ergo as things unfold. Uh, the main thing that I'm trying to shift toward is providing resources for testing and starting to think about getting people access to medical treatment because in the next 10 days, thousands of people are going to get COVID as an outcome of being in these crowds. And it's, a, I think, a real test of our politic of like, how can we help, even if we can't fully because we don't have the mechanisms, how can we help provide for that need? So keep an eye out for testing sites information and, and stuff like that on the Ergo socials as well as other stuff. We're going to keep recording new episodes um, at varying paces, <laughs> depending on what happens. Um, but you can follow us at Ergo Radio. Uh, I'm at Ergo Kiss. I'm at Damon underscore AF. Jennifer, what's yet? M-S-Y-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-777. Beautiful. Uh, and we'll be back on the line showcasing the folks reshaping this moment, the city, and our world for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Rosie. Daniel. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Look who's here in the studio. It's me. How's it feel to be in here? Well, I was a little nervous uh -huh. earlier, but mm -hmm. now I'm a little more calm. Wonderful. 
them staring directly <laughs> into your eyes. But we do that all the time anyway. Yeah, but there's not always all this equipment in between us. Well, maybe this will help. Let's play a game. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe like a taboo. Taboo. Like I'll give you some clues and then you'll have to guess what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Does that know, make sense? I know how to play taboo, Daniel. Oh, you'd prefer if I did not taboo-splain? Yes, please. All right, let's get started. Timer on the clock. Ooh. All right, first up. Okay. It's an independent podcast app. Got it. It embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. Mm-hmm. It has no exclusives. Mm-hmm. No premium content. No paywalls. Great. And it's a great podcast app for everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you think you know it? I think I do. Huh. What do you think it is? Sounds like the Overcast app. Beep, 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 beep. Toots got it. Yay. Look at that. I win. Nicely done. How does one get the app? Well, if one were to want to get the app, one could get it for free in the app store. Fantastic. Cool. You going to check it out? I might. Very wonderfully noncommittal. Excellent. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, let's get out of here. Bye.